FMX Network production. You cast me a complete need to What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Yeah, what's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first... Let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp MX show. And now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpamex Show, or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpamex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. It's so stupid that you do that. It's breaking I mean, news. Ken Roxon's a liar. Strip clubs are still closed. It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer for my wife and I. Okay, so you took my food source away in the pits, and you don't provide me food. I live alone. I don't really have a lot of friends. Right. Are we now back to gargling Eli. He's top five. He's beating the plumber. He's been getting... He's, he's beating the guy that's a full-time plumber. Hey, Eli, it's Anton from Swap Moto Live. I don't think Eli's on this call. I'm pretty sure you meant Cam. I'm right? sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had a couple of shit years, you know? Father, lover of Christ. <laughs> I'll do my best work in about four seconds. That was a uh, the hospital trip waiting to happen. That <laughs> yeah, bike was. exactly. You're not going to unfriend me because yeah, I will. Giving, no, you won't. I will unfriend you. If I get hungry, I get grouchy. When I get grouchy, I start tweeting things that maybe aren't, <laughs> maybe aren't real, maybe aren't true. I can't beat anybody. There's no way. 
And I promise you, give me a month and I can win Loretta's in the 85 class. <laughs> the cream rises to the crop. Yeah, there's something wrong with you guys. <laughs> like, uh, you're all sick. Yeah, we are back with another episode of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. The number one, number one wrap-up show. Nobody can argue it. There is no other. We are the best. We're back for episode 453 of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show, which included, on the phone, Kenny Roxon and in-studio, but all socially distanced, Jason Thomas, Daniel Blair, Michael Antonovich, Cade Clayson, and Sean Brennan from Feld. Uh, really cool show while Steve's on the road in Indy. Let's get to our guest real quick. Brought to you by Guts Racing tonight. They bring you from Racer X, Kellen Brower. What up, dude? Hey, man. How's it going? It is going good. Um, pretty excited. Uh, I've got new equipment to be playing with, and we're recording this thing. I think it's going to take less time. I'm stoked. I hope it sounds good. Uh, also on the line, brought to you by Seal Savers tonight, from the Moto Limited show all the way from Australia, Mr. Nick Still. What up? What is going on, Dark Side? Not much, dude. I, uh, You are the guy. You've been on here a couple times with those listening. Nick helps me every week, even when he's not on the show, with time stamping things and you know notes and stuff that I can go back and look at in case I miss something. So I want to tell you again publicly, thank you very much for that. No worries, dude. I love to do it. So anybody listening, like I said, he's all the way in Australia. So there's a little bit of a time delay in the, but just a moment. So you guys, Nick's going to bring some good content. Uh, before we get rolling on this, Nick, you're you're a big fan of Kellen's, dude. You had to blow me out with him on the air. Yes, That's I did. Cool. No, <laughs> I'm, a, um, <laughs> I'm a, a huge fan of Saturday Systems Gaming. I um. Dude, I grew up watching that, and that's, yeah, sort of how I learned about Kellen. Then I was like, this dude knows a bit about moto, and then he showed <laughs> up a race direction, does a lot of their stuff, so I, I follow everything that Kellen does pretty closely. What do you think, Kellen? I, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Honestly, it, it amazes me, like, working in the industry now for, like, the year that I've, I've been in it, Yeah, how many people know about Start Your Systems, like, that I never knew knew about it, you know? Like, I run into people all the time, they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen you, I've heard of you before, and it <laughs> blows my mind every time. So, I mean, that's awesome. I really appreciate that you're a fan and that you've, you've been supporting over the years like that. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, people fanboy out with you a lot, man. I see it on the chat room when you're in, when you're in studio, and, uh, yeah, you're a popular guy, man. I, I've told you the first time we talked that I'm not really a gamer, so I knew nothing about you, but it's pretty badass that you've made a name for yourself doing that. Um, and uh, Nick, you are relatively new to the media game. You've got to do a couple press conferences so far. I know we're not talking about Pulp just yet. Just bear with me. I'm introducing everybody. But Nick, you, uh, we're going to talk about the press conferences and stuff when we get to the Sean Brennan stuff. But uh, how you feeling? You still a little bit uncomfortable doing the, the media stuff? Or are you, you good? Oh, uh, dude, slowly getting a lot better. Like, obviously, having you on my side makes me feel so much better. But it's just, um, it's it's so different talking to these dudes who I've looked up to my whole life. Sure. And it's like, dude, I, I can't I can't fanboy about you. I'm here to do a job. I want to be <laughs> professional. I want to ask the right things. And yeah. as soon as I start talking to words, just fall out. And I'm like, I've got no idea what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, before, we're going to roll into 453 here. What do you think of it as a whole, Nick? I mean, uh, on the road, no no video again, which kind of sucks, but still old school style, listen to the show. And it started an hour earlier than I realized. So very much like Daniel Blair and Michael Antonovich, 
I was unprepared. I was almost late. But what do you think, man? I really liked it. It's once again, it was a bit of a different episode when Steve's on the road. But yeah. every time you put JT, you put Daniel Blair, you put Steve together, you're going to get some awesome content. You're going to get some awesome one-liners, and it's just—I don't know. It's just—it's the wrap-up that you need after the racing. That's just a little bit more on a personal level, a little bit more, you can have a little bit more fun with it. Sure. I, don't know, I, I really like it. I like these live shows that Steve does after the races. How about you, Kellen? Do you, do you like it as much without the, the video? Is it still hold the same level of entertainment? And just when he's on the road, it's a little bit shorter show too. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah, it's a little bit of a bummer that there's not the video side of it. Cause sometimes like I usually listen to just the audio side of it, but it's, it's fun when you hear like everybody laughing about something or, or there, you know, maybe something in studio comes up on the audio show and you want to go back and watch it that you can. Yeah. Uh, so that side of it sucks, but I did actually quite enjoy this episode a lot more than I expected. And I think maybe an unpopular opinion, I'm becoming more of a fan of shows where they don't do a lot of calls to writers and instead have a lot of in studio guests. Okay. Cause it just seems like, I don't know, to me, it just seems like everything kind of like bounces off of each other and they're laughing and having more fun and telling stories and stuff like that whereas on the phone calls i feel like you, you kind of just get to like the hard-hitting questions and then you know the guys off the phone in 20 minutes so this one was really fun because it seemed like there's a lot more uh you know push and shove and give and take kind of thing out of blair and brendan <laughs> yeah. getting in on it a little bit and everything so yeah I, I really enjoyed it awesome okay well as i said daniel blair and michael antonovich were running a little bit late and jt said he can show up on time and he can take a punch verbally I don't even know where that came from, but it kind of made me laugh when I heard it. Um, so let's get into the racing stuff, right? The the Right at the beginning of the show, we're talking about after Indy 1. This show is obviously being recorded after Indy 2, so some more stuff happened. But Roxon wins Indy 1, and they're going to talk about that. And of course, he wins Tuesday night also at Indy 2. Um, and he's been looking really good, right? And Steve Steve's getting all these DMs and tweets about things he said in the past, and, of course, people are misconstruing it. Let's listen to what he had to say. Everything's looking good. And all you jerk-offs that are DMing me about Roxon and for what I said before the season, <laughs> you know, just calm Keep the fuck coming. down. Keep calm. Coming. That's not what I said. I didn't say he wouldn't be a contender. I didn't say he wouldn't win races. Somebody hit me up today and said, wow, he proved you wrong. He won in the fourth race. I said Roxon will win races. You did, but I approve of all these teams. Yeah, I do not, and I, it's an instant block, an instant <laughs> block if you do this, because if you don't understand my point, awesome. then, then I can't help you, and it's, a, it's for a 17-round series, and we will see at the end. I love how and angry you get when I text you about this. It's ridiculous. Why, it's so stupid that you do that. It's so dumb that you You know it. that I'm not serious. It's, well, just stop. Just stop. No you don't, way. You don't There's know, no way. You don't know what kind of mood I'm in when I get your text. I don't text. care. The, the best part is I don't care. You're not going to unfriend me because yeah, I will. Giving, no, you won't. I will unfriend you. You will not. <laughs> All right, Kellen. My favorite part of this whole topic or that whole audio clip is not really even the fact that people are given misunderstanding what Steve said or giving Steve crap. It's that JT is like agging it on and being like, "Yeah, keep it coming." Just yeah. I love it. But what do you think, man? And uh, yeah, that I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, well, I mean, to the point of, you know, them being in studio, that's that's the good part is because, like, JT can really rib him on that yes. and, like, get a reaction out of him because he's seeing him face to face. So he knows how he's taking the ribbing and all that. Um, but as for the, you know, the fans DMing him, it's like every year, especially because they do these preview shows now before Nationals and Supercross, you know, they all make Weeds, JT, Mathis, they all make 
predictions that either do or don't come true. Sure. And, you know, like I'm sure it's every year that, that Steve gets DMs or other things about like, oh, you said Anderson would do this and he hasn't done anything. Or, uh, you know, we go back to Steve every year when he says uh, Sealy, I think in 2017, will win multiple races. Right. And then he, yeah. he had an awful year. So I was a little kind of surprised to see Steve like almost so upset by all the people DMing him because I'm sure he gets that a lot. Like I'm sure a oh, lot yeah. of people are like, oh, you're wrong about this. You're wrong about that. Um, so kind of, kind of a weird one. I thought <laughs> I just, I don't, you know, it could be just more of a show entertainment thing. Uh, Nick, what do you think, man? You think he's really frustrated by it? And how do you feel about JT pushing the buttons? Uh, I think uh, I sort of agree with Jalen. I think he's, he would cop a lot of a lot of flack over so many things. So I don't really think this would annoy him too much. But I think it's more so probably the group text again. Oh yeah, the guys that are pushing him about it. But like for JT, I love it. You can just hear him in the background. He's like, I love it. Keep it coming. Like that's what that's why these guys work so well together and make it so fun for us to listen to because they just the banter between them just builds it up. That's what I like. That's the one thing I like about Paul because whoever Steve gets in. It just builds that banter between the people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I love, I, I've said many times, I think we've talked about it on here, just the review shows are probably my favorite because of the relationship and the banter between those two and Weege included. Uh, it just makes things, I, I don't know, it makes things funny and entertaining. And, of course, Steve says he'll he'll block or unfriend JT, which, come on, we know better. He, Steve only has a few really close friends. Uh, JT's probably one of the closest but it's good for us. Um, they also, they were discussing Kenny and the time it took him to pass Adam Cincerillo. And uh, JT kind of says, hey, Kenny needs to be more aggressive early. But then Steve kind of had a different opinion. He's like, hey, he's being cautious, you know, trying to make not make those mistakes early on. Uh, you know, and he talked about AC being his buddy and maybe how he was holding Kenny up. And Kenny didn't want to go in there, probably just blow him out. Um what do you think, man, Nick? I mean, do you think that who's right in that? Should Kenny be more aggressive or is it, you know, Kenny's being cautious as he talks about in a little bit. And we're going to get to that. Is that what, what would you think would be better for Kenny? Who's right? Well, it's funny because the Kenny they were talking about was a complete and complete different Kenny on, yep. on Tuesday night. Yeah. Once he got part, that, that path of Barsha, it was, it was gone. He was gone. But I, I suppose, and Kenny talks about it, you've got to be smart on who you pass. I suppose he probably feels a little bit safer when he's racing AC because he knows AC's not going to do something big on him and he's probably not going to do anything big on AC. So I think it's sort of a little bit hard to race like one of your best buddies super hard. But, it's, but yeah, it's, it's it's one of the things you damned if you do, damned if you're not. You're going to get haters from both sides. <laughs> right, sure. He's being too easy. He's slowing you down. Or you're not being you're not being hard enough. Like the Kenny we saw Tuesday night, that pass he did on Barsh early on, it wasn't aggressive. It was smart, and he was gone. That's that's the Kenny I think we need to see. It doesn't matter if if it's AC, if it's Eli. Championships on the line. He's going to make it happen. He's going to do it. All right, and we're going to get to Kenny a little bit more here in a minute. Uh, they also obviously talked about Eli. I want to get both your thoughts on you know is Eli Eli back to where we expected or were they off on their uh, their thoughts? But let's listen to this. Were we off on this now? Now are we now back to gargling Eli and and he's the man? Because no, maybe I'm we not. are. I'm okay. Not. No, I still have not seen a dominant performance from Eli Tomac. All right. So yeah. So JT is not buying in just yet, uh, Kellen. But like 
part of me thinks, and I think they discussed this a little bit. I don't remember if it was a review show or what, but like Kenny or Eli is still Eli, but maybe the other guys have caught up a little bit. Um, but JT says, you know, and, and not until he sees the dominance of 2017, 18, and 19 will he feel like Eli is back. Um, all the, you know, the Eli we're expecting to see. Kelly, do you agree with that, or do you think maybe they're just it's overshadowed by the other guys stepping up? I don't know. It's really tough because there's still so many guys that are are healthy and like can win right now. So we're still in that kind of like honeymoon phase of the mm-hmm. beginning of the season to really make any fair judgments on that. But I do remember JT, I believe it was in the pulp show before this with Davey, um, where he said something along the lines of like, he's not worried about Eli at all because Eli, you know, historically doesn't have very good Januaries or not necessarily like, as strong as the rest of the seasons. And I I believe they even brought up some stats about that where like his average finish from, you know, February till May usually is like a 3.5, but January it's like a five point something. So I think in some ways I'm not necessarily on board with what JT is getting at here is because I think Eli is just kind of building to the Eli we normally see at the end of the year that everybody kind of remembers as the guy that can break out and, and have these incredible rides. And he's already finishing second, third battling for race wins this early in the season might actually be kind of a scary prospect for everybody else. I kind of think the same thing because I feel like he usually does start off a little slow or have some bad races, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's Eli, the, the one we expect. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, JT might be a little bit off. Uh, Nick, in your notes, you commented about how Eli you know, verbally said, hey, he's, he's happy right now or happy with second. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? What, why did that stand out to you? Um, sort of the same thing as what Kellen was saying. I, I think Eli is really, his mentality is a little bit different. Like when you look at the championship points compared to other years, he's actually got more points this year than previous years. And one thing we know about Eli is when Eli's happy, when Eli's got that smile on his face, that's when dangerous things happen by Eli. That's, um, that's, that's just the Eli mentality to me. Like when Eli's happy and Eli's feeling things, I think that's a dangerous Eli. And that's yeah. when we're going to start seeing some things. And, and like Kellen was saying, Eli's just building. Usually January, February, it's not really, really good for him. But he's in a lot better place now than he has been in previous years. So, I don't know. I think, like I said, Eli with a smile on his face just comes across as scary to me. Dude, they, they, him and Kenny both, hashtag home life, Chris Kiefer, but they both seem just like they're chilled out a little bit on a personal level with the kid. And man, like maybe they're just totally like, Oh wow, this is what's important in life. Like re adjustment in their focus a little bit. It seems like, and yeah, I think we're Kenny's on fire and it's hard to see that he's going to like drop off. Like, like we've talked about, or Steve talked about, you know, earlier on and shows that we, we kind of maybe expect that in the last couple of years, he's going to have a bad race or some health issues. Like right now, I just don't see that happening. He seems so, not perfect, but so on it. And I think him and Eli are going to put on a show the rest of the season. Um, but Steve and them didn't talk about that specifically, so I will move on because nobody cares about my comments. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, hey, <laughs> Kellen, you're brought to, you, you were brought to us tonight by Guts Racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. 
If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. So check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. All right, uh, Nick, I'm going to throw this one to you first. Steve posed the questions, are there only three or four first-time winners left in the series? And he threw out Zach, Adam Ciancerillo, and Marvin Muscan as being those three. And he kind of said possibly Chase Sexton. Um, actually, let's listen to it, and then I'll get your thoughts. The only three guys left that will win, well, four. Do we put C-Sex? As a winner? As a winner. Ooh. But we, I, know, I, have, I have Osborne, AC, and Marv. Okay, so if we go Osborne, Adam, and Marv mm-hmm. are the only three possible winners from here on out that haven't done that it. Haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the fence for Osborne, and I'm on the fence for Marv. I could see Osborne winning a race like Daytona. I, and, I, and I would say 50-50 on the other two. So we're already starting to see separation, though, if you go by. You know, so last week, do you, do you think Bar- – this is a big race for Barsha, I think. He's got it. He's, he's got it. He's got it. That was not good. Right. That was not good. Uh, everything that I thought I knew about Barsha's 2021 season came unraveled enti- entirely on Saturday. Right now, today, those are Just, the only three that I could see. I don't see anything outside of them three. What, what about C-Sex when he comes back? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. if he gets a start and gets away, Anderson and Malcolm, who I think have the potential, but they just, not yet, it, it wouldn't happen right away. They would have to kind of build their way back up to that what do you potential, think, I think. I would think at this point, Ferrandis is more likely than Sexton. Would, would you add him to that list of three? Nah. No. No. All right, Nick. So, I somewhat disagree with uh, their, their, their three, the three that they kind of all agree on. But um, what do you think, man? Is Steve on to something with those three? Uh, do you see anybody else? What do, you, what do you think about Daniel and Anton and Steve's opinions? When when you read between the lines, I guess those are the three names that you're going to get most possibly are going to be a winner. But, like, Supercross is nutty. Supercross is weird. It, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if we get another random winner, someone not even in those names. If you would ask who's probably going to be the next winner out of them, I'm sort of got to go with Zacho, to be honest. I just, I, yeah, it, as soon as Zacho gets the start, I think it's going to be all good for him. Okay, how about you, Kellen? Would, would you agree that those are the most likely three? Or do you have somebody else? And what do you think about the Chase Sexton, Dylan Ferrandez side of it? Yeah, I would agree with that, that that's the uh, most likely three. I don't think Ferrandez is going to win a race, and neither do I think Sexton when he comes back. And, um, I would probably lean Osborne as well, but I, I think seeing Cerullo with his starts, one of these times he's going to start up there and Eli and Ken or, or you know just some combination of that is not going to start up there. And, and AC didn't look great on Tuesday, but most of the other rounds he's looked like he can pretty much at least kind of run that pace for 20. Yeah, And I think it's just one of those rounds he'll start up there, they won't, and it'll work out. See, where I disagree is just on the Marvin thing. I don't feel like I've seen enough out of Marvin to think. Dark side. I know. I know you're a Marvin (laughs) guy, man, but I just, I don't see anything that says he's going to win. I just, I don't, man. I mean, I feel like Dylan is more likely to win. I mean, you can hate on me for that, but tell me why you feel like Marvin's going to win other than you're just a fan. It's really not that I'm a fan of it. It's that I think he has the raw speed to do it. If you've watched the last, Three rounds, if you look at lap times when he's coming through the pack because he just seems to crash in the first or second lap every single race anymore, 
is running competitive lap times that are similar to the top five or the top three. Like if you look at Indy one, for example, he came from 22nd place and finished like six seconds behind Cooper Webb, who was on the podium. So okay. I, I just think that if he can start up front, just one of these races, he's, we've seen it in the heat races, he's gotten a couple hole shots. He got a hole shot in the main at, at age one. I think he can get a start and run the pace of those guys long enough to wear him down. Cause he's, you know, this sneaky Frenchman, he, he has crappy <laughs> lines. He comes up with different things sure, that sure. saves energy. And before long, he could be out front winning a main and it wouldn't surprise me. Well, I, I would love to see it happen. I'm just, I just, right now I don't see it happening, but I'd, I'd be happy if I was proved wrong. Nick, how about the JT's thoughts on Barsha and that audio about, you know, everything I thought I knew has come undone just about, I think they kind of turned that around after Tuesday. He looked pretty good, but Barsha's, just been typical Barsha kind of up. You don't really know what to expect. I, I sort of agree with JT. Like I'm still not all in on Barsha. Sure. Just because the previous years, it's, it's the start is really, really promising. looks great. And then when it gets going, the wheels just fall off. But like Helen was saying, a start is so, so important. And obviously Barsha got that start on Tuesday night. He couldn't run the same pace as, um, as Kenny, but the dude still looked really promising. Like, if, if that's how much it is, just getting the start is is nine times out of ten what's going to do it, he can run that pace. And as we know, Barsh is a, a bit of a hard person to get around. So if you got that uh, number 51 out front, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays out front. Well, I, I, I hope – I'd love to see it, uh, like I said with Marvin. I want to see different guys up there because I want to see the points super tight – at the end between like four and five of them. I want, I want the Salt Lake city to be just a freaking battle. Uh, hopefully we'll get that. Um, all right. Kenny Roxon. Kenny Roxon was a fantastic guest. Uh, I love his attitude. Like I've always thought he was great. Right. But his new demeanor really even kind of upped my appreciation of him. Um, but starting off, Steve, I think I want to say Steve said this before Kenny came on. I know he did. And then Kenny came on and he kind of posed this to him that, Hey, if, if Eli had won Saturday night, you might have lost your sanity. And Kenny just seems like he's in a, a healthier mindset. Let's check it out. After everything that happened uh, with the, with Dean, uh, the race before, if you had not, if you had lost this race because of your mistake off the track and Eli gets you and you go on to get second again, I, I told Jace, JT I was worried for your mental sanity. Kenny, you really you had to get this nope. win. <laughs> I mean, I just I would have kept a cool head. Yeah, yeah. I promise you. I mean, yeah. wouldn't it would it have been ideal? No, but at the same time, we, we, it would have still kept me in the race, yep. like you know, championship wise and all that kind of stuff. And I've done too much work on on myself and on everything else to let stuff like that mess with me. You know, I, yep. I just don't. I just want to keep it super cool, and I've done a lot of work like that, and I would have just kept chucking along. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I, I like I said, I've worked on my mindset so much that no matter what it would have been, I wouldn't have let it phase me. If right. that makes any sense, you know, yeah, like no, I would have yeah. tried to stay super calm about it because in the end, it is what it is, and I'm just trying to to take it day by day and, and, and improve. And I kind of just let my guard down and the ego, and I I uh, wanted to re enjoy what I'm doing and enjoy the process of trying to get back to the very top. You know. All right, Kellen. So. This interview on the Pulp Show, look, Kenny's all, I think, pretty good. Almost the most, any interview he ever does, he's really good. Steve asked him some good questions. And that whole segment, though, is really, 
reevaluate made me reevaluate like whether he could win the championship this year. I think what he said his his mental state is where he needs to be to finally get that thing done. Ah uh, man, I, I I was really stoked after hearing him say all that. Yeah, I would agree, and I feel like in the last couple of years, at least since the injury, if something like the Dean Wilson situation happened to Kenny, I feel like Steve is right. Like he would have kind of blown up and been like, "Gosh, like this is." why does this keep happening to me? Like I, I should be winning these races yeah. and this keeps happening to me, like weird little things like that. But he took the whole thing in stride and kind of put it behind him and then kind of proved that it is all behind him by winning the main event in a very weird way. Like he had the lead and then lost the lead and then had to get it back from Eli and then pulled away from Eli. So it's like mentally, it looked like he had already blocked all that out behind him and said like, no, I can win these dang races. Yeah. And yeah, it totally seems like a different Kenny this year mentality wise because he's he's just moving on every race is a new race a new day instead of letting that dwell and just carry on from race to race and before you know it he's like 25 points down and you're like what the heck happened yeah for sure um nick while listening to this interview did you did you take the same opinion that i did and, and kellen did and is there anything that like you wished steve or any of the guys in the studio had brought up that didn't get brought up After listening to that interview, I'm, I'm beginning to think that the the previous years where it sort of went downhill for, for Kenny isn't because of medical reasons or, or the health. I think it was a lot mental, and whether it was the motorcycle, whether it was the mental state. But after listening to Kenny in that interview, after listening to him on the podium, staying calm, you know what I mean? Like he said, he wanted to punch a hole in the wall, but he, that's not him now. Yeah. Like that cool, calm, collected Kenny... I think that is a huge missing piece. It's dangerous. To, to, yeah, exactly, to, what, to what's going to win this championship. Um, I, I would have liked to maybe hear a bit more about the medical or what happened at Salt Lake City or what was going on. But exactly. obviously, Kenny doesn't want to talk about that. This is the new year. He doesn't want to go back to that point. And I, I, when Kenny, Kenny wins races at the beginning of the season, there's no doubt at all about that. But the mentality this Kenny's got is, I think it's we're going back to 2017. We're we're going back to that Kenny. Like okay, this uh this looks really 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 good. Yeah, I kind of wonder with all the the talk preseason about Kenny's health and Steve's um, predictions or you know what not really predictions but just what he thought could happen here or, you know of what the health issues. I wonder if he was asked to not talk about it, whether it be from Kenny directly or asked a fan, um, you know, because it seems like something that Steve would have brought up unless just asked not to. And at that point, Steve usually respects that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe that's why he didn't touch on it. Another thing that I kind of thought might have got brought up, uh, Kellen, was when Kenny said, you know, the risk versus reward uh, for me to ram it in there is, is it's not my style. Which I kind of mm-hmm. thought, uh, well, it has been in the past. We've seen mm. some things go bad because of that at times. So I kind of wondered why. I guess Daniel sort of did touch on it. The change, you know, what brought the change on, but nobody really called him out for it. it used to be somewhat of your style at times. Yeah, I think what I'm gathering from Kenny's interviews at this point is that like he's just reached that next level of maturity in his racecraft and everything like that. Yeah. And he's. Definitely. He's seen over the years how, you know, you go back to 2017 and he was, he was so adamant to catch Dungey at A2 that he was going to break his back literally to do it. <laughs> and then the arm injury happens. And then, yeah. you know, like 
every little thing that could have went wrong to try to win a race after that happened. And then he got involved with Cooper Webb because of the girlfriend drama and all that stuff in 2018. It just seems like the, the mindset for him is like, I can take the fourth. I can take the third. I don't need to blow this guy and create more drama for myself down, down the line, which is a, a smarter Kenny than we've never seen before. Like you said, he used to just, whatever, I don't like this guy. I need to get by him. I'll blow mm-hmm. him up. But now he's just moving on from that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, again, dangerous. It's going to be – I I, I kind of have changed my picks for the championship. So, uh, originally, I went Cooper Webb. Uh, I still would like to see Cooper win it, but I, I, I'm changing, man. I think Kenny might ha- take it. Um, let's see. Hey, both of you guys, I, I believe, in your notes on the show, made the mention of poor Michael Antonovich calling Kenny Eli – which you guys heard that. I'm sure you heard it in the intro. Uh, dude, <laughs> I sent that clip to Anton. He's so embarrassed. Like, it's not really that big of a deal to me. It's like, ah, it was an accident. You know, we all slip up. I, hell, I call this show the Moto X Pod show, and I show I call my show the Pulp Wrap-Up Show all the time, you know, or whatever. It's like, it just, but it's funny. I know Anton. That's what makes it funny to me. Why, why did it stand out to you, Kellen? Is it out to me because it was the first time I heard Anton speak. I think he literally had yeah. just sat down. And <laughs> yeah. then the first thing he says is, hey, Eli. And yeah. like I had to double take when I was listening to it because I was kind of like, "Is did like my podcast switch or am I listening <laughs> to the press conference? Out? Like what, what's going yeah. on? And then and then Kenny goes, oh, I don't think Eli's on the call. But that was for me. <laughs> just like yeah. that whole sequence is so weird to like right. listen to and be in that like kind of headspace for a second. But yeah, it's funny. Uh, it was good. And uh yeah, I just I don't know, Nick. How about you, man? You, I think it stood out to you as well, just because it's funny, I guess. I was gonna find it funny, but at the same time, I'm like, I think the first time I spoke to Eli, I said something, and I was like, I have no idea what I just said. So oh, right, I can't right. laugh at the poor guy because I know how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but and what's the sort of? Go ahead, Nick. What sort of surprised me was. Steve really didn't uh, didn't work on it for a while. You know what I mean? Like Steve usually, you know, brings it up a few times during the show or, or tries to stir stir Michael up, but he never really did that. He sort of played it down, which I thought was a little bit weird to Steve. That's some uh, oh yeah, pretty good content or material to use against him. Yeah, and I, Steve didn't catch it at first either. I think uh, he's like, "Oh, did you call him Eli?" He didn't even catch it. But uh, Anton told me he was just frazzled because he was running late, and he doesn't like to run late and I didn't ask why it was late, but, uh, he was frazzled. So man, we can forgive him, but it's definitely something, um, I have that audio saved. I'm sure I'll find other ways to use it in the future. Um, Hey, Michelin bicycle, Michelin motorcycle tires, obviously has been on board the Pulp Mech show for a long time. You guys know all about them. Uh, but now I'm excited to announce that Michelin bicycle tires is still a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mech wrap up show in 1891, a little bit before my time, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle parts, and be sure to follow them on Michelin at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. All right, with this schedule change, these guys are doing a lot of different things. Um, this is I'm bringing this up because Kenny talked about something that made me think about this. The schedule change has brought up a lot of different issues, whether it be trying to find places to ride. They've talked to these riders about this, you know, 
places to test, to train. They're in Indy. It's snowing. But Kenny talked about his Airbnb. Now, this is a guy that Steve would say, you have millions of dollars in the bank, but he's staying at an Airbnb that's kind of a shit show and dirty. Uh, And Steve asked him why he didn't stay at the JW, which I don't know if any of you guys knew what the JW was. I may sound stupid, but I had to look that up, figure out what it is. If you don't know, it's a JW Marriott, clearly a fancy hotel. But Nick, are you surprised that Kenny is staying at a place that would even be dirty? Or maybe he just didn't realize it, but like I'd move like right away. Yeah, I, I sort of find that funny in considering like his next door neighbor, Justin Creighton. But at the same time, I think to myself, what is Kenny's version of dirty compared oh, true. to what our version of dirty is? Like, because when you hear him talk about where they stayed at Salt Lake City, like, I'm thinking, okay, that, that sounds pretty awesome. He's like, yeah, it's not that good, but he goes, oh, there's dirt here, there's dirt here. I was just like, I, I just love to see what, I'd love to see some photos or a house tour or something like that, just to see uh, what, what Kenny's comparison of it is. That's a good point. And I, I need to Google, I want to Google, which I haven't had a chance yet, the JW Marriott. And see if maybe I need to splurge sometime and say it one of these. Kellen, have you ever stayed at JW Marriott? I have not, so I cannot speak to that uh, experience at all. But yeah, I mean, it, the only thing I can think of is being a new father myself. I, I kind of get the whole like once you're set up, you're kind of set up thing with the kids. Like you don't really want to have to tear everything down and you move the pack and play and all this other stuff again. So. Maybe it's like they got settled in. They they found out a couple days in that some things were weird about their Airbnb, and now he's complaining about it. But but didn't yeah, he, I feel like with him he would be like, I'm out of here. Didn't he say that Courtney hadn't got there yet? So maybe the I thought the baby maybe I misunderstood, but I thought he said she her and the baby weren't there yet. But I swear that at Indy One specifically, he was talking about kissing his baby Griffin on the oh, head and yeah, yeah, all that yeah. stuff too. So. Okay. Possibly, yeah, I, I, who knows? You're probably right, though. Like what Nick said, it probably wasn't like it probably wasn't like gross, you know. I mean, especially if right. if uh, JB's side, which was right next door, was nice or whatever. Uh, yeah, it probably just maybe it just wasn't as what he's used to. I don't know, but it's interesting. I like to see some pictures. Um, <laughs> the other thing Kenny talked about with this format uh, was the three races in a week being a lot of stress on the body. You know, I think Pope and them have talked about it and. It, they talked to other riders about, well, all right, typically they'd be home and they'd be riding on a Tuesday anyway, probably, or a Monday. And so, yeah, is it really that much different? But, you know, Kenny has definitely been pretty vocal, I think, even in Salt Lake City, that it, it's a lot different. It's a lot more stress on the body, and he, he mentioned that again. Um, what do you think, Nick? You think this is something that we could sustain though it, again i'm getting off topic of pulp i apologize but do you think this series doing a three races in a week could be something we sustain and continue down the road if things get back to quote unquote normal i think so like i think when we asked the question in the press conference to some of the riders what their thoughts were on obviously having the saturday to saturday or the saturday tuesday saturday a lot of them sort of chose that they like the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It's less riding they've got to do during the week. It's less travel they've got to do. And I I don't know. It's uh, It depends when when the world goes back to quote-unquote normal, whether they're going to be able to get a full attendance on Tuesday rounds to make it worthwhile to do it that way. I mean, with how the world is right now, it's it's probably the, the perfect the perfect thing really 
so we can get in and out of cities within a week and get three rounds under our belt. But riders like it a lot more than they thought they would. Mm-hmm. But whether it's going to work for Feld and, and Supercross when everything goes back to normal, that'll that'll be the telltale. Okay. Before we get back into this episode, I just thought of a couple things. Nick, you're you're doing a, a little a podcast right now based out of Australia. You guys are new. You're trying to figure out how to get guests on the Moto Limited show, how to get into the press conference for the first time. All these things are new. Then you have Steve, who, you know, in my opinion, is probably the biggest podcast in the moto industry. And he's, you know, in Indy and he's lining up guests and he's making all doing all these shows, whether the review show, the fantasy show. I mean, just from your side, like, how do you think Steve, like, just talk about how your appreciation or what your thoughts are on Steve doing all these shows while on the road, getting guests, you know, either in studio, sitting six feet away, you know, wherever they are at this undisclosed location, or even just doing them on Zoom or call. But, like, he's hustling, man. It's a lot of work. Talk about, from your perspective as a new podcaster, what that must be like and how badass it is. Oh, dude, it's it's all about that. Like, I, I it's it's just it literally is just a credit to what Steve has built mm-hmm. and what Steve has done, and he's obviously his relationship with the riders. They trust him as much as he he makes it sound like they don't like him. I believe one hundred percent they trust him. They like going on his show. It's got a really really good reputation. It's just it's a credit to what he's built, and it's it's something for for like me and Trent both here in Australia. We look at that, and that's what we aspire to be. That's what we would like to, to follow off. Like, that's something we want to build. And if we can just take 10% of what Steve's done and use that to help us, then, dude, that is more than enough to ever, ever repay what Steve's done. Right. Uh, and, Kellen, with the, the Monday show, like this past week or the current week we're in, when they're racing on Tuesday, some people on Twitter, I, I, I want to say it was Twitter, might have been Instagram, but people have reached out to Steve and go, oh, man, we wish you'd do the show on Wednesday so that we can get you talking about both rounds, Saturday and Tuesday. And I've heard this a few times, and I don't know if any of you guys saw his response probably yesterday uh, that said, yeah, he's thinking about, like, for Dallas and Daytona, or I don't remember, maybe Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta actually doing the pulp show on Wednesday instead of Monday. And I got a real problem with this, but I want to get your thoughts first, Kellen. Um, I mean, I can totally sympathize with fans yep. that want to listen to the show here. I can too. Because, because um, you know, he does a Monday night and I feel like quite a lot of people will listen to it the next day at work on Tuesday or, mm-hmm. or maybe even the next couple of days after that. And you know, he does a Monday night and then race day is Tuesday. So we're, we're literally already on race day talking about the next race when these guys are trying to listen, listen to Steve's recap of the race before. Sure. And it's like a weird crossover where, yeah, you do want to hear what he's talking about from the race that's happening while you're trying to listen to it. Um, whereas like if he did it Wednesday, that'd give people Thursday and Friday to maybe listen in before the Saturday race. Um, whether they're at work or, or, or what have you. So I, I get it, but I know for you how frustrating <laughs> that's going to be because it's going to push the whole wrap-up show even further back and into the weekend maybe. And, oh, man, well, that's... A, that's... <laughs> and I've already rescheduled the Moto X-Pod show from Tuesday to Wednesday. My mm-hmm. co-host has changed his night schedule for working to be off on Wednesday so he could sit in studio for our show. And then if Steve now does his show on Wednesday... <laughs> like there's no way I can do my show and listen to his show and get all the notes ready to do the wrap up show the next day 
yeah, I, I just I, I'm out. That doesn't work, Steve. No, this is your chance, Dark Side. Steal the Pope slot. Get Monday well, night. Yeah, I could, but then uh, <laughs> my co-host Scotty would have to change his stuff again and be off Monday yeah. night. Which I, I guess theoretically I could do that, but then I would also have to listen Thursday, Wednesday, whatever day he's going to do the the Pulp show. And usually I have a day in between to get all my audio cut and my notes, and then mm-hmm. I would probably have to do the wrap up show the very next day. I don't know. It's I don't like it, Steve. You need to consult <laughs> with me. We need to sit down. We need to decide what's best for the company. Okay. So yeah. All right. We'll change subjects a little bit. Going back to the whole mindset thing we talked about with Kenny, uh, Steve asked, Kate Clayson's going to be coming in a little bit, and I think he asked JT, do you think that a guy like Cade Clayson looks at A-Ray, his buddy who's been getting into the mains, all, you know, a bunch more than Cade by far, and thinks he's faster than me, or does he have some realism, which is what JT says, hey, I think realism is the way to go, and he even talks about, like, but he does, kind of how Chad was, which maybe wasn't very realistic, that Chad Reed always thought he was better than James. What do you guys think? Uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. What do you think about this realism versus maybe I need to have the, the belief that I can beat anybody, you know, uh, whether it be Cade, believing he could beat, you know, pick a rider, Zach Osborne, to keep your confidence up? Or, you know, who do you think is, uh, or which way would you think is better for these riders? Um, that's a hard one to answer. It really is. I literally, I, I believe the mental thing is everything. And yeah. As soon as you prove that you can do it to yourself, as soon as you prove to yourself that you can do it, I think it, it just magically happens. Like, look at look at Zach Osborne last year. The second he started getting good finishes, the second he won an out, the second he won, I think it was the last race of Salt Lake City. He come out in motocross and had this mentality that he can be a winner in this class. And a couple months later, he's you know, the uh, the motocross champion. But going back to like Caden A Ray, I think they have a good friendship between the two of them. That they're not sort of gonna. I don't think they'd let each other get in the way of each other's mental state of who's better. I, I really don't. But uh, I, I sort of look at look at uh, look at look at the day just gone. I'm pretty sure Caden finished in front of A Ray. So yeah. Well, I I know JT obviously. Clearly, he knows what he's doing. He can say all the time, I wasn't as good as those other guys, but he was a night, a main event guy, a night show guy. He's super talented. He raced against some of the best racers in the world. But for me, Kellen, like, I don't think I could line up like the guys used to say in the, in the you know, 90s with McGrath, like line up and go, well, we know we're beat already. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you're not, how can you compete with somebody that you know, mentally, you know, oh, this guy's going to beat me. Like, I mean, you just, wow, I guess I'll race for second. That's not any way to become a champion. I think you have to have the Chad Reed mentality of, yeah, I'm better than everybody. Exactly. And I think even, you know, applying to some of these privateers further down the field, like I've, I'm probably blowing them out here, but I've sat in with a couple privateers or or people that, you know, did race at one point in time and watched a race with them. And it's funny to listen to them be like, oh, I can't believe X guy is, qualifying for the main event right now why is he an eighth yeah, in the heat yeah. race and stuff because they're looking at it as like i'm as fast as that guy or i was better than that guy i should be in this race and and making it through this heat race even if they're just sitting on the couch at home you know so i think these racers always will have a mentality to them even if they don't want to admit it 
that they're like, oh, I, I think I'm actually like five to 10 places better than realistically I am, but they have to have that so they can believe they can finish there. And when they don't finish there, it's kind of like a, a next step push right, for right. them to get to that level. I like it. Um, just real quickly, it's a, a, a part of the show. They go back to talking about the 450s. A couple of things I'm just going to mention real quick. Uh, Daniel Blair doesn't think AC is ready for the full 20 minutes. And he thinks Zach needs to stop doing the weird stuff. That's kind of what Zach needs to do, obviously hitting the gate. And and that's that's pretty obvious, so I agree with that. Uh, but this kind of led into... Uh, JT thought Kenny was waiting a little bit earlier in the, um, earlier in the race, which he had said he wasn't. And the only reason I bring this up is because it gives J, uh, gives Steve a chance to kind of rib JT back. And I thought it was humorous. So I'm going to play this audio clip just to laugh at everybody. And that's all we're doing here. I thought Kenny was waiting a little bit. He said he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's shades of gray though with that stuff. Um, I Breaking mean, news: Ken Roxon's a liar. <laughs> says no, Jason Thomas. He says he's not waiting, but <laughs> I know. I don't. <sighs> Breaking news: Kenny Roxon is a liar. I like it. Made me laugh out loud, so I wanted to play it back. Uh, since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to re- prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on seal savers, making insulation a breeze. Check out their full line of motor products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. I'm sure a lot of you guys have side-by-sides out there. Man, they make uh, seal savers that wrap around your your suspension to protect those seals and on your dirt bike forks. You know, it's uh, as... Us amateurs, our, our vet riders, and I don't want to work on my bike. I don't want to have to change fork seals. I don't even have the tools to change fork seals. So get you some seal savers, wrap those things on there. It takes no time at all. And, you know, you pull them off before you wash your bike, and there's no dirt or mud around there. It's awesome, dude. They, they're, they're, they're really a great product, so check them out. Um, all right, Kellen. Steve asked everyone, I think I feel like this is a pretty obvious answer, but it's something to think about. Will we break the 1985 Supercross record of eight winners in in a season? It was pretty much a unanimous no there. Dude, I, I, it's, a, it's a long stretch for it to be, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very unlikely. But not impossible in this season, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with them and say no as well. I, I think, would too if I had to bet on it. I think the way that, you're going to get a a nine race winner season or even an eight race winner season is if the top guys like Eli, like Kenny, like Cooper get hurt, like round by round kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you're starting to see more and more like fresh face winners that we've never seen before suddenly winning back to back weekends or something like that. And like, I just, yes, we can point all day to like, these guys have the speed to win and they should win, but you know, reality hits, about halfway through the season for a lot of these guys where they're like, man, I don't know, like as soon as Kenny and Eli gets near the front, I'm not anywhere near their competition level. And they kind of are just like, well, let me try to ride this thing for third. Let me get a podium out of this. Instead of thinking like it's too early in the season, I could contend for this title. I got to go win this race and then send caution to the win. So I think you're going to see as we move into the second half, a lot of guys kind of change their, their focus and their goals. And sure. If they're out front, I think they'd, they'd like to go for a race win, but they're also a little bit more realistic in the fact that they don't want to get hurt with outdoors coming up right after. And 
if a podium is sitting there, they're going to take that instead of breaking their back to try to win a main event. Yeah, I mean, but Nick, I'm going to get your thoughts too, but look, we've had four winners. Um, Dylan Ferrandis was second at a race. Like, you know, Eli goes down. This happens again, right? Say it happens again. Eli goes down. Dylan can win. AC and Chase had a chance to win a race. They were both in contention in great position before they fell. Uh, We've already talked about the three guys, which Zacho could easily win a race. Marvin, you know, Kellen definitely believes that Marvin's going to win a race. Like, it, you could have, it wouldn't take that much. Nick. It wouldn't, yeah, it, it wouldn't take that much. I know it's unlikely, almost, but it's not, it's yeah, not, I it's not the most impossible thing I think to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it's not impossible to happen, but it's just unlikely that if, okay, someone like Eli was to crash that Webb wouldn't be there or if Webb was to crash that Kenny wouldn't be there I think it would have to be to the stage where those four dudes are well back there in the pack and someone like AC gets the start or someone like mm-hmm. Dylan or Mark gets the start just like Kellen was saying before I think those those four guys have to be pretty far back in the pack for this to happen because I, I find like, I think Zappo is going to be in the next level win I, I think once he gets this bad voodoo or whatever's going on at the moment <laughs> out of the way, it's sure. be fine. It'll be fine fine for him. But like Cincerulo, as soon as Cincerulo got passed by by Eli, dude, the wheels fell off that thing and True. he went backwards. It's just He's gonna get better. Uh, yeah, though. I don't know. I, I would love to see I hope so. Like I'd love to see some more first time winners, but I just I just those those four I can just see coming up every time. Okay, well, we're we're gonna see. We're gonna we'll, we'll reevaluate this in a couple weeks. Um, another guest that was in studio. We talked to him about it a little bit earlier. Feld's media director for Supercross, Sean Brennan. Sean has a tough job, man. He, I mean, you guys heard all about it, right? He's lining up interviews. He's doing conference. He's setting up the conference calls, uh, the press conference calls, Zoom. Uh, he's involved in the Saint Saint Jude's campaign. He's getting Keurigs for Steve and for the the photographers. Uh, dealing with all of Steve's food demands. Um, but I, I like Sean. Sean's been on my show. Sean has d- done a lot for me personally. Uh, I know he's helped you out, Nick. Uh, Sean's a really, really good dude. Has a probably very thankless job uh, from the outside. You know, I, I know I tell him thank you, but I'm sure he just deals with constant complaints and stress. Um, and we got some Van Halen talk. I don't know if either one you guys care, but we got a bunch of Van Halen talk. Um, how about you, uh, Kellen, you've dealt with Sean. I'm sure he's good dude. Really good at what he does. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you probably dealt with this guy before, but I, I think he's miles better than Denny personally. I never to, dealt like, throw with him. Him under the bus. Yeah, I never did. Well, I did. I did. And he was, oh, he was tough. So, okay. you know, like Denny was kind of like a gatekeeper of the press and like tried everything he could to keep a lot of people out. But Brennan seems opposite to me in a way where he's, he's very open to letting a lot of people in that. You know, maybe they don't have the, the biggest, you know, media following or, or, or what have you, but that's great. We need a lot more people in the sport. And I think Brennan realizes that. And that's that's huge to have in that position because he he controls a lot of what the media does and does not do in our sport. Uh, even if, you know, at the end of the day, it's not his say. I'm sure Prater or Gendro would come in and say, like, no, we have to let this happen. But, you know, at the base level, he he runs a lot of that operation. So. I think he's great at his job and, and it's, it's been really refreshing to have him be a part of the whole, you know, media 
show, I guess, lately too, because he's, he's getting his voice out there too. Mm-hmm. Denny never did that kind of thing. And, uh, to come on pulp, he's, I think he was on in Salt Lake as well. Yep. Um, you know, like it, I just, I love that because to me, it makes it, us feel like he's actually a fan of the sport and he's not just a felt employee, you know, like yeah. he, he cares about these riders and the teams and other stuff like that. And definitely makes you feel a lot more connected to him and kind of felt as a brand. Yeah, he definitely loves the sport. And like you mentioned, and Nick is learning this too, um, you know, like with our show, we don't have the biggest following, the Moto X Pod show. Um, how many times have I said that tonight? Four? That's probably too many. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he, you know, I was able to get in in 17, or I guess 18 was the first Supercross, and met Sean. And, you know, he has told me, like, I see how hard you work. Uh, you know, so he gives me credentials. You know, he gave me credentials this year when it's very strict for the Texas rounds because he sees that I'm working hard and I'm trying to ask, you know, good questions or relevant questions or interesting questions. I'm doing my best anyway at the press conferences. And, you know, I, I hooked him up with you guys, Nick, and, uh, you know, he does his research and checks into what you guys are doing. And, you know, he got you involved also. And, yeah, like like uh, Kellen said, he wants to have it be professional he, he's not going to just let Joe across the street with a voice recorder show up and say he's press. But if he sees that you're working hard and you're doing, trying to support the sport, then he tries to help you out. And I think you've seen that too, Nick. I 100% like that's just what Kelly was saying. That was just so relevant to me after talking, like after I, I, you know, I originally asked you about it, whether you could see how we go about doing it. I think you spoke to Sean, then I spoke to Sean, and it's just, it blew my mind how cool this dude is with trying to help people that are just solely trying to help the sport, basically. Like, there's no other way to put it. And yeah. he was super cool with, with helping us and, and sort of getting us to where we wanted to be. And it, it yeah, I'm always forever thankful for you, for Sean, and it's just, it's literally like I say to you, it's just a dream that's just <laughs> keeps on coming true for some weird reason. <laughs> well, he's, he's really good when he comes on the show with Steve and I know he listens to the show. Uh, he's a, he's a fan of the pulp show. I don't know if he listens every week, but he has said stuff to me that he's heard on there. Uh, he'll, he'll respond to me about stuff that he's heard on there. Uh, so he's a fan of pulp. He's really good when he's on mic with Steve. They have good banter. Um, they're like I said, they're both Van Halen fans, but Steve's a Hagar guy. Sean is a uh, DLR guy, which is always entertaining. But um, he just plays along really well. He takes all Steve's crap about the food that we're going to talk about in a second, and says, "All right, yeah, hey, I'll try to get you taken care of." You know, and he he'll he'll take the jokes, he'll joke back with Steve, but he'll also try to get Steve or any of the media guys what they need, uh, and that really comes out in his interview, and. Um, of course, Daniel works with Sean. Uh, I don't know if Sean is his boss. I think he's maybe in some aspect his boss. And uh, Steve kind of made fun of Daniel for all the hats he's having to wear this this season. You know, working like a show monkey, he said. Uh, Steve or Daniel's the concession guy, the ticket taker, the 32nd guy, and the dig dug, which, Nick, you didn't know what a dig dug was? <laughs> Can we play salty out? What is it, Man, I, I thought you were a true Pulp MX fan, Nick. It's it's <laughs> it's the the track workers that have the helmets on or the dig dugs. That's uh, a term that started I don't know a couple years ago, Kellen. Don't you think? Yeah, 
I think it was a little longer than that. I feel longer. like it was like 2013 oh, or wow. something, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I I, it was a while ago. I didn't think it was that damn long ago. But anyway, I've, that's that's what a dig dug is, Nick. I've never even heard that. Oh, yeah. They, they, they talk about it. You'll hear it now. I you'll hear it. Now. No, no. You'll hear it now all the time whenever they're talking about the dig dug moving the, the um, tough block or the dig dug, you know, trying to help somebody get out from under a bike. You'll hear it. You'll catch it now. But that's. Uh, Daniel is a busy dude, man. At Houston one, I went over to his hotel to to sit six feet away and do something for the main event show, and like he was getting messages the whole time or getting calls and like having to go back to the stadium and just busy. Um, but Daniel's a workhorse, man. Um, some stuff, Kellen, with Sean that he talked about. This was a big one. Steve brought it up. I'm sure you guys have all heard these rumblings. Fans were really confused about Fan Fest this season. Um, you can get into the pit party, the fan fest by paying. You had to buy a ticket. That was kind of new this year because of this, of the COVID stuff. You, they, you can't turn in a can monster can and get a free ticket. Uh, but fans really didn't look into all these rules, right? They couldn't get into the stadium in Houston until the final, I think it was like one 30 local time till the final qualifying time, which in the past you could go in pretty much for all of practices, you know, before the untimed practice. And, man, fans were not stoked on this at all at Houston. People were complaining. Um, I talked to Sean about it on our show, and he said, hey, Dark Side, that's, that's in the guidelines. If you'd read all the guidelines, it's like, dude, come on, man. These people that are getting FanFest tickets aren't reading that. They just don't know. But uh, props to Feld. They changed it. They let them in earlier at this stadium at Indy, and – I just thought it was really cool, Kellen, him kind of getting into all this stuff, giving, you know, not, he wasn't shying away from it. He was saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is why we're doing these things. And this is what we're trying to do to make it better. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I really liked what he was talking about with the the Monster Can thing, too, because I think most people that go to Supercross knew about that, like the Monster Can turning it in to go into the pits thing. But uh, I was kind of confused why they wouldn't do that. I, I initially thought it was just to like limit the, the crowd or something like that. but uh, he made a good point when he was talking about like, well, we didn't want people touching monster cans, mm-hmm. drinking out of monster cans, and we having to touch them and verify or and you know dump them in the can and then give them a pass or a wristband on their hand, and it's just too much interaction. So yeah, this is an easier way for us to kind of say like, okay, these people they bought their tickets online, they have the ticket, we just have to scan it, then they get their pass and go in. Like that's a lot of. I think people if they just a couple more seconds to read that would have been okay. But like you're saying too, but they opened up about yeah, you know, we, we should have probably let people in a little bit earlier before, or at least given a little bit more indication there because yeah, if I had come to the stadium early and I wanted to watch practice, I would have been livid yeah, if they, I couldn't get into the stadium. So they weren't stoked uh, and like I had ran right. in at the first Houston race, I'd ran into uh Julie Forkner, which is Austin's mom, and she's like, Yeah, I I I mean because of the way they're doing things, I can't. Eat, she couldn't even get into the stadium to watch her son practice, right? Until one mm-hmm. thirty, like the rest of the general public. And there, there's a lot of people that were disappointed. But, and I, again, I know Steve didn't talk about this stuff, so I'm sort of off topic. But all these things that are these, even the masks that we're going to talk about in a minute, you know, Daniel having to wear the mask or whatever, they, it's, they don't want to have to put all these things in implement all these things but in order to not lose our supercross races and not have a city shut them down they're going to do absolutely everything to the maximum they can to make sure 
that nobody steps in and says, oh, nope, you can't race because you've broke this rule. They are being strict for a reason, and, dude, it sucks sometimes, but Sean explained it really well. Uh, Nick, you put in your comments, him talking, he brought up, you know, more media, allowing more media, which we've already sort of talked about that, and the Zoom calls. I know you and Trent super appreciate that. Um, well, I guess we've already kind of touched on that, but I, so what I want to get to is something we've already sort of talked about is Steve's, Steve's rant to Sean that he had to deal with live on the show. Poor guy. Here we go. Okay. So you took my food source away in the pits and you don't provide me food now. So if I have a gripe, where's the food? Does Daniel cook it? <laughs> I, I'm able to think clearer and see clearer when I, you know, when I'm when I'm not hungry, like when I'm not like Anton and wasting away. And and don't get those guys in the photo doing anything; they're fine. So uh, so I go down in Indy. I had to go down to the concessions, and uh, you know I got to fight through those crowds. And uh, and Wygant's which we don't want you fighting, fighting through crowds, <laughs> fighting through. Fight Is that really what you're crowds? doing? <laughs> okay, can I can I? Let me just say something without making myself sound like a total asshole. Oh, boy. That'll be the first Here time. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I'm not kidding you. Like, I went down to the concessions at Indy, and I love our listeners. I love the listeners of Pulp MX. They're great. Mm-hmm. They allow me to make a, a nice living trying to cover this sport. Not as much as Anton or other guys, but I'm, I'm grinding. And, and so I'm not kidding you. I had to talk to, like, three or four or five people in the concession area. Must have been horrified. And, and, you know, that, that's 20 minutes. That's 30 minutes of, of you know, my time because wow. I'm exposed to these people and I got to buy some. And I got to hear Wygant. He used the keyword exposed. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. God, he's so and, slick, man. And, <laughs> and Wygant, Wygant is up, uh, so upset about the price of the grilled chicken sandwich. <laughs> he's so upset. All right, Nick, I'm going to go to you on this one. Uh, a lot to a lot to digest. Uh, probably a little bit of just having some fun with Sean because, I mean, really, we've never really had food in the stadium. Well, we never had food in the press box, so typically we do go down to the trucks, uh, whether it be JGR or Rockstar or whoever, and, and that's where the media guys usually eat. We get food from them, and they took that away. Uh, Steve's not... Not completely off on this. It sort of sucked at Houston because you do have to go down to the general public. Not That's not why it sucked, but it's it sucked because it cost me $27 for a barbecue beef sandwich and a couple Cokes. Um, that sucked. But, Steve, I'll give you your thoughts on uh, what Steve had to say. Is any of it you know legit to you, What um, entertaining? What do you think? I think it's just, I think it's just a little bit entertaining. Like, I don't think it's really worried Steve that much. I think it's more so just sort of um, having a little bit of banter with Sean. It's, it's, it's it, the part I took out of that was the weird part about where he said he had to go down to the concession. Sure. Had to talk to fans and sort of gave me the vibe that he really doesn't like talking to fans. Like that was the only part of that story, which I sort of found sincere, which is a little bit worrying. But apart from that, like it's just, I think it's more banter. I think it's funny how you hear JT going, I brought you food. And Steve's like, what, what food? He goes, I brought you food from the pit. Like, it's, um, I think it's just, just typical Steve just, just trying to have a laugh. I like it. Yeah, and I, I would love Kellen to blow out Steve here. But once again, I got to be honest and say, dude, every time I've seen Steve see a fan at a race, he is so freaking 
cool with his time and takes pictures and talks to him and always still, he still finds it really cool. I think and this is a vibe I get that, that people love the show so much and it still surprises him sometimes. I agree with Nick. It, a lot of it was banter. He didn't, now, I will say he probably meant a little bit like going down there and we're not supposed to really interact with people that haven't been tested at the stadium necessarily. So he's got some, some, um, there's some truth behind that. But oh, give me your thoughts, man. What do you think? Yeah, I think you, what you said is exactly right. And um, having walked like through the pits with Steve before, it's surprising like how many people stopped him. Mm-hmm. Like you would think that like, I mean, Steve's a pretty recognizable guy, I would say, and and a lot of people are big fans of Pulp, so I, I, I don't think I'm, like, overly surprised, but, but it didn't take, like, 30 minutes to get from one side of the pits to the other just trying to walk to it with Steve because so many people are like, oh, Steve, a picture, oh, Steve, yeah. good to see you, you know, things like that. So I can also a little bit sense the frustration, too, that, like, you know, he was just trying to go down and get food and go back up and watch practice and, you know, then literally a lot of the people that are at these stadiums, you know, the 7,000 or so fans that are allowed in are probably pretty like diehard fans, not just your like typical casual Supercross fans. So he, he sure is going to run into quite a few people that yeah. would know him. And, uh, I think from his sake, he's just like, I just want to give food and go back, but I don't want to be like a dick to all these fans that are saying, Oh, Steve, how's it going? Oh, great. You know? Right. Okay. So I think there's a little bit of it too. Hey, Kellen, your phone is going in and out a little bit. It's choppy at times. Just, I don't know if, if you're in a, I don't know where you're at, if something's changing, but just letting you know. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's any better or worse or battery. It's good right now, but then it's kind of going in and out. But we'll we'll keep we'll keep going and hopefully it'll be okay. Uh the best story, I'm sure you guys have both heard this story, is Steve going through the pits with Timmy Ferry and fans coming up and asking for like for like like Timmy to take the picture or whatever of Steve and Steve and the fan. It's that's the funniest shit ever. But uh all right, let's move on to some hot topics from the race Saturday night. Uh, Christian Craig, Jet Lawrence, uh, you know, varying opinions. Anton says, this is the one that kind of got me, and I disagree with this one too. Anton says, the second time I think I've disagreed with Anton, that Craig should just give the spot up, to, which JT's response was, give the spot up. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, that's, you don't ever just give the spot up, really, uh, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think, Kellen? That, I don't know, man. I, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that one definitely took me back, too. I was like, Anton, did you hear what you just said? Like, yeah. Two guys battling for second with two turns to go, and you want crit. Like, it almost like, to me, it sounded like Anton was saying, like, give up the spot and not fight for it because you can just fight back again. But he only had one more corner to go. So mm-hmm. it was like kind of a do or die thing right there. And uh, yeah, really kind of weird opinion from Anton. I didn't really agree with that one at all. Uh, the other thing with that situation I want to talk about that was brought up on the show Monday night uh, was, and Daniel brought this stuff up about the harsh opinions on social media, dude, the, the things that get said to Christian Craig or hell, anybody that goes through this stuff, dude, it's, it's just ridiculous, Nick. Um, and I know it's something that has bothered Daniel. That's why he commented on it. And he's talked about it before. Excuse me. Because Daniel gets crap too. Like when he's on TV, people say, give him crap. Or just, man, the, the the keyboard warriors are awful. And it it's just, I wish it would stop. That wasn't really a whole lot that was going on with Pulp. They didn't talk about it a ton. But I don't get it, man. And, and 
the other that kind of led into JT saying that Jed is becoming the, the Travis Pastrana. Everyone has a soft spot. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. And of course, Steve had to throw out. He goes and looks at some of these profiles, right? Of people that talk shit on him, and then the profile will be like, "Hey, Father, lover of Christ." Which, yeah, I've seen stuff like that. I, I don't understand what people. I just don't understand, uh, dude. People are fucking insane, Nick. Dude, it's. I bring this up on our show here all the time. This will go back to, obviously, the Dean Wilson thing again. Yes. Dude, there is no need to, to, to write this sort of stuff on social media. You, you cannot be that emotionally invested to these people that you have to write stuff like that. Like, it's just, it, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm the same as you. I, it's just, I, it's speechless. The, like, some of the, I went through and read some of these things. Dude, that is not good, and it's not good for these people to see this thing on their phone every single day. And it's to the stage where Dean Wilson knows that he puts up an apology and then deletes the app because he knows what's going to come. It's just, uh, I just do not understand people and why they do this. I, I, I won't either. I've ranted about it myself, and it's society, man. It's, just, it's, it's a scary thing right now. Um, all right, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs, no, Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. As I tell you every week, a lot of cool sponsors with the wrap-up show and the Pulp Show, obviously. Go to the Show.com, click on the Sponsor Deals tab, Tons of stuff there. I literally just made my first order with Arma this week. There's links. There's discount codes. And if you know of a sponsor that you hear Steve talk about and can't find the code, dude, just send send an email. I think it's contact at pulpamex.com. If I'm not mistaken, you'll find the contact for it link there. And send Steve an email, man. He'll get back with you, and he'll help you out more than likely if he can. Uh, all, the, all just awesome stuff that comes from Steve. He's always taking care of his fans, even though – he likes to act like he doesn't like them sometimes. Speaking of Pulpomex sponsors, X-Brand tear-off segments, always a fan favorite. The Lucid Goggle is supposed to be back in stock, I believe RT said on the 8th. So you guys keep your eyes out for those. Uh, I've got some on the way. Um, this is where the Daniel Blair wearing a mask while by himself thing kind of got brought up. Um I think they talk about it again in the the race tech rant, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I don't know, man. It, it is kind of weird, Kellen, that Daniel has to wear the mask. Some like, I guess he's doing it on TV. I think I've only watched one of the races on TV so far because I've been at the others too, I guess. But he's he's wearing a mask. But then RC and whether it be Lee or Todd or whoever's in studio aren't wearing a mask. That I don't really get. But like I said earlier they're doing what they have to do to stay out of trouble. So I don't really have a problem with it. Um, what are your thoughts on the masks and all the, the uh, stipulations for COVID? Yeah, I think with Blair and with Christian, the difference is, uh, you know, they're on the floor, so they, they will come across mm, good team point. members, riders, other things like that. So I think they keep the mask on just as like a, I, I have it on. So I don't forget, like if I, if I walk up and I don't know, you know, tap Justin Shanty on the shoulder to ask what's going on. I have a mask on already. I didn't forget to put it on. And so because those guys are in close contact on the floor, I think maybe that's why it's mandated down there. 
it's frustrating how many people like in Blair's breakdown and stuff like that are are mad that he's wearing a mask on screen yeah, too so or in the Zoom why, calls and stuff like yeah, that. Why do you it's care? Like, yeah, and and to me, it's like I mean, we're we're all following the rules in the stadium. Like as, as you saw, if you go into the press box, you have to keep your mask on. Like Dude. that's literally the rules of the stadium. So <laughs> I, to me, it's amazing how many people are like so mad at him like oh you're by yourself take your mask off yeah. like okay so i'll take my mask off i'll get ejected from the stadium and can't do my job great works for you guys so you can't watch anything that i'm doing like that it's so frustrating how people don't connect the dots there and i can see like why you know player would be like gosh you people are so stupid with this whole yeah. mask thing stop talking about it yeah houston three i'm in the press box by myself because i got abandoned by both Weege and steve so steve you could suck it with weeds abandoning you. You you guys left me there in this huge press box all by myself, and I had to wear my mask because Sean was going to come upstairs and check and make sure. So actually what I did is I went and bought one of those bottomless popcorn buckets. So as long as I had my hand in the popcorn bucket, I could keep my mask down for a little bit. So that worked out. But when it when I wasn't eating, he was wondering why my – making sure my mask was on. So, yeah, like whatever. I mean, I, I don't want to wear a mask either, but – Quit talking shit. They're doing what they got to do. Um, that's really the only ex-brand tear-off that I kind of wrote down. What I want to get into now is some pony talk. So let's uh, let's listen to this. He he cuts it every so often and he donates it. So it's not that like he's trying to claim it's this big deal. He does it all the time. He does right. it every few years. So like stop claiming it. Stop it. I'm making a big deal because it's new to me. He yeah. I he, saw the photo. He asked to, to raise money for privateers. To cut and I said cut it all off and he's like no I want to cut like a twelve inches off I'm like don't you cut twelve inches anyways he said yeah I said well that's not that's not doing yeah, like that. it, it, right. right right all the way or nothing could you imagine being a little kid and then you just given dark sides pony as your wig <laughs> like I can't no I would just have it as a skull I just, <laughs> just tape that thing right on the, the back. things that that pony has seen oh. <laughs> all right well I can't tell you the things that the pony's seen but what I can tell you is Steve doesn't know shit so here's the deal. I do cut it every couple of years, but Steve did not know that he's acting like he knew that. And you know, Oh yeah, it's no big deal. And I haven't made a big deal out of it. First of all, that I've donated it. The only time I've even responded that I've donated it was when people asked me why I cut it. That's why I tell them why I donated it. Now, as far as the whole idea of trying to raise money for the Yamaha privateer fund. Yeah. I reached out to Steve about two months ago and I said, Hey, what do you think about at three palms? At the live show, we cut my pony off because I am going to cut it anyway. And I'm going to, you know, I was going to donate it or whatever. But like, you know, here's a little peek behind the curtain. The, the listeners don't have to know that I was going to do it ahead of time. Like, let's make it like I don't really want to do it. But if we raise enough money for the privateers, I'll cut it. They don't have to know I was going to do it anyway. And yeah, so Steve, dude, I was just trying to help out. And now Steve's trying to blow me out and act like he knew all along. And although I will say, and I think I've talked about this here before, had a group text with him and Kiefer. I originally said, I think 12 or 14 inches. That's the minimum. And they kind of came back with 18. And I thought about it. I go, okay, I'll do 18. And then Steve, Steve wanted all of it, no matter what he was not going to bend, but yeah, I wasn't trying to make a big deal out of it. And uh, anyway, I don't, Steve didn't know I was going to donate it until well into the conversation. He's acting like he already knew. And that's why he told me, no, I want it all. So Steve, you don't know shit. 
<laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just giving him a little bit of shit back. But uh, what what do you think about all that, Kellen? I mean, come on now. I don't know why he's got to give me crap all the time. Yeah, I mean, be nice, Steve. Uh, yeah, and uh, like it seems like perfectly logical to me to to like kind of embellish it and make it a big deal because Steve kind of makes your pony a big deal himself. Like he yeah. talks about it a lot and. There's a Twitter account for it. And like, you know, I, I feel like at this point, people on Pulp had like bought into like the myth of the pony. Oh, yeah. And it, got, it got blamed for all the crap that happened Tuesday at the race. Yeah, exactly. So, it, you know, I thought for sure Steve would be like, oh, yeah, let's blow it up. Let's make it this big I did thing. Too. Get somebody on stage to grab the scissors and, yes. you know, like this whole thing. But uh, I, I don't know. I guess Steve just didn't really care enough or whatever. No, he um, didn't. Yeah. He, but I mean, certainly, uh, you know, like Blair was saying, like it was it was new to me, uh, the pony being cut off. And like when it got cut off uh, in our Slack channel that we use for work, I was like, oh, my God, Darkseid's pony's gone. And then Weege goes, what? And then Fred is like, <laughs> you know, every, so we even were like, what the heck's going on? And we posted your uh, Instagram in there and we're talking about it for like 20 minutes or oh, something. So. I mean, it's it's got traction. Like you, the yeah. moto industry talks about the pony. <laughs> it, well, it got brought up on the press conference. Daniel asked me, "He's like, first thing I got to ask, <laughs> did you really do it?" Which it's look, dude, it's still at the shoulders. It can still go in a little bit of a pony, but you know, it, it needed to be cut. Kiefer wasn't completely wrong on all that. Um, Nick, any any comments on the pony talk? I love it. It, it makes it makes you what you are. It gives you that. Um, it gives you, I don't know what the word, it gives you that niche. That's, that's sort of what makes you. I love pony pods. Like, it's just like every time in the last six months have you heard Steve say pony pod? Yeah. Like yeah. Something that always comes up. I um, I think, I, I'm sort of surprised with Callan. I'm amazed that he wasn't on board for that idea. I thought I, that would have been super cool, but. Yeah, I was really, uh, I was surprised. As, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, we probably could have raised um, five hundred bucks to a thousand dollars for somebody trying to get me to cut it. That's I maybe I'm way off, but uh, and then Kellen, you mentioned in your notes that he I, I had forgotten this actually that Steve, Steve said it's my friend and I talked to it or something like that in the press box. Yeah, I mean, I, what I loved about it too was they're like, oh, that thing's got rings like a tree, like the things that it's seen. <laughs> Do you remember in 86 yeah. when the pony was Jeez. in and like the Motley Crue concert? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that Steve himself gives it a life of its own. Sure. You know? like sure. Even, even if that's not something that like you even did with the pony or if you've had it for that long or whatever, like <laughs> no, Steve's saying like the history of the pony and the, the rings in the tree yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. yeah. So it's, it's funny. Oh, uh, it was good stuff. Thanks. Uh, all right, Steve, I guess you can make fun of it. It's, it's good entertainment. Um, all right, my favorite segment. Let me get. Hey, Nick, what's your favorite segment on the Pulp Mix Wrap Up Show of all time? Um, oh, this I, where did choose from? Yeah, I didn't. Pre, I didn't um, give you any prep for this, so yes. Yeah, think on your feet. Oh, uh, I forgot what I call it, but it's the 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 one JT hates. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm forgetting the future headlines. Um. Future headlines. Or, or, <laughs> all right, we're we're gonna go. That's a good one, man. I, I, how about you, Kellen? You got a favorite? Uh tough one as well. Um, I mean, I really enjoy the race tech rant because it's usually the one that incites the most like drama yep. within sure. the show. Um, but I also like the uh, 
experiment tear offs because I like that kind of like getting quick answers out of people uh-huh. and just like making them think quick on their feet too. Yeah, I'll, you, I'll go race tech rant though. Okay, yeah, and usually Moser has some pretty good questions. They were they were a little bummed. They thought they were a little off this week, but Moser, man, it's not it's not always easy coming up with a bunch of questions. So good job on Moser. Um, all right, well we're gonna get into the race tech rants pulp twenty one uh, to save. So the first one I want to talk about is Steve Starbucks line rant. Um, dude, I'm on board with this, Nick. Steve's in line at Starbucks, and there's like a cheerleading or a gymnastics convention in, and people are yelling to the people in front of him, uh, hey, get me this and get me that. That's some bullshit. I, dude, I'm getting hot right now. I would have been, I am very, very impatient. I literally have the word patience tattooed on my arm. Because I thought that would help, and it just doesn't. I, I there's not a doubt in my mind. I'd have made it really, really obvious that this is pissing me off, dude. Not cool. What do you think, dude? One hundred percent. I'm probably the exact same. I think the part I liked about it was JT's. Like you stand there, you look forward, and you just yell. There's a line, yeah. And then people will think you're insane. Like, well, hey. I really thought Steve would be the type of dude to say something, but he didn't. I'm glad you brought that up because here it is. Honestly, <laughs> it's all about delivery. Just say, "Hey, I feel that's kind of rude. I've been waiting here a long time. Can we? Can we just?" Follow the line here. If you say it in a way that's decently polite, people will be, like, scared. They're- you stare straight ahead. You do not eye anyone, and you just repeat over and over, there's a line. <laughs> there is a line. <laughs> and you don't look at anybody, and they will think you are crazy yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, about yeah. to go postal on like everybody in that line, the shining. and they will yeah. fall in line. Yeah, DB, I love you, man. I, I like, I, I respect most of the things you say, but you're way off. And look, you guys know me a little bit. Like, I'm pretty much a nice guy all the time. But that would piss, dude, I, I, w- I would lose it. I, I would probably, one of the better ways maybe Kellen to even handle it would be like, okay, all right, so I don't know where he was in line, fourth, fifth. Find the second place guy. Hey, dude, while you're at it, go ahead and get mine too, I guess, since we're doing this shit. Yeah, um, gosh, I don't even know how I'd handle that. I'm, I'm one of those kind of like, silent angry people i guess i probably so would be too, i feel to be like honest. what i feel like what i would have done is just went and walked and stood in front of him like if i was already in line in ahead of him and this guy just comes waltzing up and just is like oh you know i'm i'm ordering now like screw everybody else i would have walked in front of him and just stood in front of him not said anything but been like no i'm still in front of this guy right like, who cares if i just lost my spot in line i'm not letting this guy start you know be in front of me so there's like so many different ways you could handle that. And I think JT, if he did it that way, was maybe going to take one to the chin. And I think Daniel Blair probably isn't going to get the guy to do anything. He's just going to say F you and move on. So it's just this, it's this society, you know, the people, they think they think for themselves. That's all they care about. Nobody else exists. And they are exactly what they need to be in their life. Everything about them, nobody else, you know? Yeah. I'm the guy because I'm the nice guy, Nick, that would probably be like, Maybe not in this position, but like in the grocery store, which I, I want to say they talked about the grocery store issue. Um, but like if I'm in line and there's somebody behind me with less items, I'm like, dude, go ahead. But if I'm the guy in line in the fucking, you know, speedy checkout or whatever, and I have two things and the guy in front of me has a basket and I'm like, bro, can you not just like, let me go? Like, don't be an asshole. But I don't know. I, the, the reality is I probably wouldn't have said shit. I probably would have just, 
been fuming and like paced back and forth and hoped that my body language was enough to know they let them know I was mad, but I probably would have pushed out and not said anything. I don't know, man, but yeah, people suck. Okay, so moving on to some more positive stuff, or maybe not, I don't know. Uh, Kellen, one of the things that you put in your notes, Daniel Blair had mentioned during the rant, and Steve has kind of ranted about this in the past, is the 250 East and West, probably, when it comes up, regional series, some of these guys are going to get some very low numbers, especially with how decimated this class is. Daniel brought it up, probably trying to poke Steve, uh, we got a little entertainment out of that. Uh, you can't disagree with Steve on this, though. He's got to be on. He's on point. Yeah, I, I agree with it. And what I thought was hilarious about it was they, them saying, "Like, can you believe Thomas Doe is going to get number thirty-five? And then I think JT at one point was like number twelve from Hawaii, Grant <laughs> yeah. Harlan. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So, so I just thought like their whole like back and forth about like look at how low these numbers are going to be. Uh, and it, it's really true, you know, like I, I don't blame these 250 guys. They're just they're racing and they're going to get a lot of points and they're just doing what the rule book says. But I think that the rule book is kind of wrong because, you know, you look down the list in like the 250 class and, you know, Joshua Varese, he's a great rider, but he's got 57 points in the 250 class. And that would put him in like 12th place in the 450 <laughs> class above, you know, Brock Tickle, Dean Lowe, sure. Martin Davlos, Kyle Chisholm. Like all these guys that like making a 450 main event is super tough. And because of that, it kind of warrants having a lower number, I think. But these guys are going to end up with like numbers in the, you know, 20s and 30s at this rate because such of the field is decimated. And I think that what they're talking about is spot on. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy that Cade Clayson, who just made the main event, like that was super hard in the 450 class. But all these 250 guys getting like 15th are going to probably get a national number and Cade won't, you know? Of course they will. As Steve has said, and all the boys, weeds on the show, AMA never change. And we got a whole lot more of that on Tuesday night, but we didn't get to talk about that on the Pulp Show, so we're going to skip all that stuff. Um, something we haven't talked about yet, and this is pretty much, we're about to be done with this thing, is Cade Clayson. He comes in. Um, Cade's, I think, super well-spoken on the show. I always enjoy him, Nick, when he's in. Smart guy, uh, like I said, well-spoken, you know, a little bummed or quite a bit bummed on his results and really believes he should be a, a main event guy every week. But I, I love when Cade's on. I think he's a he should be a repeat guest. He knows the show. Good stuff from him. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I, I Probably one of my favorite episodes was when Cade and A-Rate were in studio together. But it, it's funny, like, after listening to Cade, on the show on Monday, on Monday night, and then obviously Tuesday he goes out and makes a main. Yeah, it, just, it was something where I could watch that and go, you know what, that's good. Like that's that. It meant so much more to me after listening to him Monday night to see him go out and make the main on Tuesday. That was something I thought was pretty special. Absolutely, way to go, Kate. Always good. Um, okay, the last thing I have in my notes to talk about, and this actually came from you, Nick. Uh, the Phil factor, factor Phil, um, filthy Phil could not get the fly racing deal done. Didn't work out. JT kind of hinted at his boy just wants too much. Uh, you, you thought that was uh worth no, noteworthy. I do too. I would love to see Phil and man, I can't imagine what his demands are. Like they must be pretty, pretty out there. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine what it would be. I'd, I'd love to know. I, I have a feeling this is something we're going to hear a few more times. Oh, yeah. And 
saying, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Boat across. There is a deal and he's wearing flight. Like it's just I think this is something that we're gonna we're gonna hear a few times and we're gonna get some good content out of. All right. Um I hope so. Uh Kellen, before we wrap this up, anything else you want to touch on that stood out or were you good? I'm good. I just thought in general it was a really fun show just because you you get JT, Blair, Brennan, yeah. Cade, and Steve, they're all in studio chit chatting, ribbing each other and I don't know. I, I just tend to like that format. So I do too. I, I hope to see. I hope that in the future, you know, Steve continues to kind of grow and continues to be able to bring in guests like he's had with R V and Weimer in studio together and now having Davey in studio and stuff mm-hmm. like that and maybe have whole shows where it's literally just you know, three or four ex pros in their bench racing. Like I, I think it's, it's fantastic. Agreed. Uh, Nick, you, anything else? No, that's, that's pretty much it, man. It's just a, a great episode. Like I said, there's so many like little one lines in this episode. Like yeah. I'm just reading through the list now. Like uh, when I think it was JT or Daniel Blair, the Dalai Lama would have trouble with Webb on the last lap. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. That's so good. Or, or talking like, Daniel Blair, like, saying back when they were racing, it was like, here's a medic, there's a medic, good luck if you're not here next week. Like, <laughs> it's just, that's the insight that I like. It's yeah, cool. fantastic. Well, I appreciate both you guys coming on. Uh, I want to thank Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, uh, Motorsport.com, and Seal Savers. Uh, check out Kellen at Racer X and follow all his YouTube stuff. And, of course, Nick is at Moto Moto Limited Show, and check that out. I'm Darkside. Uh, if you got any questions, any comments, anything you want to add, you want any questions for Hello Pookie, darkside at pulpamex.com. Other than that, we're out of here. That's a wrap. Thanks. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Tea and me.